0: Okay, is everyone warm and snugly? I see there's top-ups of coffee happening in the back. Um, you're very welcome to do that. I have to say I really missed your faces um, the last time we met at the pear tree. Um, did you Are you guys enjoying your coffee this morning? You are? Good. Because I was uh, visiting the farmers who picked the beans for that coffee uh, the last Sunday that we were meeting here, so... Um, I just wanted to say what an absolute privilege to be able to visit the, the source of that and to see what it goes through in terms of labor before it lands in your cup. Uh, you won't believe the amount of labor and processes um, that it's gone through. And so I think if we, if we realize that more, I think I need to move back. I think if we realised that more, we would uh, we would sip slower and we would enjoy it, not just as like a caffeine like pick me up, but just the, the amount of love that has gone into that cup is is quite extreme. So, anyway, friends, I I wanted to pick up uh, from what Jacques was saying in the the beginning of the um, as he was opening, just about us living from our high rank. That's pretty much what I'm speaking about this morning about um, living from that place of high rank with intention. Um, And so we've been given this incredible, incredible gift of salvation. I mean, that we can come before the Father, the Creator of the universe like we did this morning with such boldness and with such closeness and such intimacy. Um, It's an incredible, incredible gift that we've been given, uh, this gift of salvation. And... um, I want to speak to us this morning about what is our response to that incredible gift. You know, one of the most rewarding things that I've done in my life, um, most satisfying things is, bu- is building a house, uh, which we did five years ago. And, you know, that process started off with a dream. It was our family dream. We sat down, we dreamed up this, um, this space. and um, and then we, we put it to um, to a plan, you know, and it started to unfold in a process. I took eight months off and I, <clears throat> I built the house and the satisfaction of seeing things from fund, from dream to plan to foundation to measuring out to seeing walls go up, spaces just mapped up on the floor and you're like, ah, oh, this is what it's going to look like. That unfolding process is it's actually very, very satisfying and... Um, it's not the final product, I mean that is amazing, but the process was actually such a, a wonderfully um, delightful thing, just this, as this thing got built up. You know, and in Peter, 1 Peter 2, um, Peter's speaking about us that we are a spiritual house that is being built up. Us collectively, it says that we are living stones. And we are being built up into a spiritual house, and don't you love that? It's not a, we're not static stones. It's not like, okay, good, another one saved, boom, stone down, good, another one saved, stone down. No, we are these living stones that are being built up into the spiritual house, and we are the ones. Verses in the, um, where they used to go worship in in that time. What he's writing to at the temple that. The temple housed the presence of God. We are these living stones that are being built up in Him into the spiritual house. It says, as you come to Him, a living stone, that's Jesus, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a a royal priesthood or a holy priesthood. And you know, you and... Myself, we started as a dream in the Father's heart. We started before He decided that He's going to build up this house. We started as a dream in His heart. He dreamed us up. He took such delight in that that dreaming, and then He put a plan in place that um, in Jesus, and then that that plan came to fulfillment at a point, and then the spiritual house started to being built up. Isn't it a beautiful picture? Um, Ephesians, <clears throat> Ephesians one, says, for it was always in His perfect plan to adopt us as His delightful children through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that His tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify His grace. For the same love that He has for His beloved, Jesus, He has for us, and this unfolding plan brings Him great pleasure. Friends, He takes great, great pleasure in this plan that, is coming to, that came to fulfillment, and now He's seeing you being built up. It goes on in Ephesians 3 to say, this perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus. Jesus was the dream, He was the blueprint, and He's the, uh, the, the foundation, and He was the plan that the Father is building us up um, in. In Peter, 1 Peter, um, he also talks about Jesus being the cornerstone, right? So basically, Jesus is our foundation. You know, when you're building a stone building, which we don't obviously do very often um, these days, it says, uh, I just looked this up, it says, in every stone building, one stone is crucial, it is laid first, and it is to ensure that the building is square and stable. It is the rock upon which the weight of the entire structure rests, and that is Jesus. Jesus is that rock. He is our rock. The entire structure rests on that rock. And, you know, if you've ever built, and I think we've got uh, at least three architects in this congregation, um, you know that the, the foundation is extremely important Um, I remember when we dug our foundation, we measured out, we dug it, and then we poured the concrete. And then that process, even preparing that foundation, the plan of that, you know, for days, just keeping it wet, keeping that cement wet. You know, I remember even coming before going to church on a Sunday, I'd have to race to the house and just wet the foundation again. um, Because when it stays wet, it cures and it gets strong. So... If you don't do that, the foundation is critical in actually in in building a house. And, you know, when you have a foundation, for example, if it's sort of so wide Um, and then you build your bricks, you have to build right in the center of that because it needs to house the weight of that entire property. And, you know, I... I remember when, when we built, and um, we had the foundation all set out, and then we started marking out where the brickwork would go once it was perfectly cured, and we were just a little bit off with that first brick, and we got to the final corner, if you know how many of you have been there, in the kitchen or sort of underneath the main bedroom, the whole thing had just shifted slightly. So that if we had built thing, uh, uh, literally the edge of the brick would have been on right on the edge of the foundation. And it was like, oh no, we've done this entire foundation wrong. Like like absolute disaster. I don't know how expensive the concrete was that we filled all the entire foundation in. But to start again, and this foundation is wrong. It was like a bit of a horror moment. Brought in the engineer, et cetera, et cetera. And the good news was that we were just a little bit off with our measurement that we started with. So that by the time we got to that, the house was going off, but we weren't. The foundation was perfect. It was just that we had our measurement slightly off. So when we re-measured and we like realized that actually, no, it is landing up in the center, we could actually build. And why I wanted to highlight the importance of the foundation is because The foundation is what the house sits on. You cannot, um, if you, you can build any house, you know, whether it's great or whether it's what any kind of structure, if the foundation is wrong, that house is going to be wonky. And I think that's what we've done in the church. We've built on a foundation that is not always on the grace and the good news of Jesus. So people are reading the plan they're going according to the bible but it's not nece- the house ends up wonky and it starts to crumble and you're like how can that be god and the church and look what happened throughout the ages in the church but it has not been built in such certain situations on the center of the foundation that is the perfectly wise plan that has been perfected in jesus 100% we have to build right on the middle of that foundation that is jesus um, otherwise we work, we end up with a wonky a wonky church, and um, <clears throat> we don't need that Amen. so what is our foundation? so I just want to take a moment just to remind us what is our foundation in Jesus before I move on to what I really want to talk about today. but friends, our foundation in Jesus is that we started on this side of the cross as um, the, the Word says we were hostile. Not even, don't even ask what was in your heart. The Word tells us we were hostile. We were enemies with God. We were alienated. We were dead, completely dead in our sin and with no hope. And on the other side of the cross, because the, the gift of the cross came, it has made us friends, children, delightful children that we've been adopted into His family. It says that we've been reconciled to Him. We are now holy and blameless. Isn't that beautiful? We were buried with Him at the cross, and we were raised with Him, as has come through this morning. And now we're seated um, at the table with the groom. Not only with the groom, in the groom. It's It's a mystery of mystery of ages that we are one with the Father, um, Christ in you. And so now we have a hope and a, a, a hope of a glorious life as we've been made alive in Him. I wanted to read some scriptures and I want to just focus on, not on, um, if you want to know Christ as your foundation, go read Colossians who Christ is. I'm not focusing on who He is in my, my message today, but well, in, in this part, more that what He's actually done for you. Um, But go and read Colossians. But I'm reading portions from Colossians 1 um, and Ephesians. Colossians 1 verse 13. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been completely transferred into this domain. It's not a buffering. It's not a work in progress like when you're transferring something over the Internet or you know, to an external drive. It's not this buffering process. It's not a work in progress. No, He's transferred us from darkness into light. It's a finished, complete work. That is our foundation. Um, It says in verse 19, "...for in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross." And then in 21, verse 21, it says, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His blood, body of flesh, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. Friends, that's good news, that you can be holy and blameless before the Father And this is the, again, just to summarize this gift, this foundation that we build on, Ephesians 2 verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. You did nothing for it. Not a result of works, so that no one, not one of us can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Friends, we need to read all of Scripture off of the base of that foundation, that nothing you did, you're not here because of your good works and you doing so much for the poor or for whatever. Nothing you've done. That's the foundation, and we can never move from that. We need to, um, we need to use that as our base that we build on for every single thing that we do. And so, friends, what is our response to that? And so that's, that's our foundation, okay? We know that we are these living stones that are being built up. There's a process in being built up. And so I'm going to go to our, what is our response on the other side of the cross? It's not just to be this saved static stone. No, we're these living stones that now suddenly are being built up. And so living from our high rank, as Jacques said earlier, living from that space, knowing who we are, um, we need to live intentionally on the other side of the cross. It's not just like, you know, oh, I'm saved and that's, that's it. And so why, why should we be intentional on the other side of the cross? I want to say that you have been designed to be fruitful you know, in Genesis, it's part of your DNA to be fruitful. In Genesis 1.28, it said God blessed them. So he, he, the, the blessing of God came upon Adam and Eve. And he said, now be fruitful and multiply. And so it's part of your DNA. It's part of your original commission that you are fruitful. It's not like an optional extra or just to survive through life. No, no. In your life, you are designed to be fruitful. What's also amazing is that the Lord is actually, you know, sometimes we think we choose Him. Like, you know, have you chosen to follow the Lord? You know, and there is a response, yes. But it says that He chose you, you know. He didn't only choose you for salvation. He chose you to be fruitful. John 15, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I've appointed, it's from the Amplified, and I've appointed and placed and purposefully planted you so that you would go and bear fruit, and fruit that would keep on bearing, and that your fruit would remain and be lasting, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, as my representative, he may give to you. Isn't that amazing? I mentioned at the home um, church gathering last week that... You know, to bear fruit, if you think about bearing fruit, and this is, again, from the foundation, it's like you never... When a, when a fruit tree is uh, connected to its source, it doesn't squeeze out fruit to pop out fruit. No, it just... It happens naturally. When you are plugged into the source, if it, the, the fruit tree... Uh, the, in an orchard, the fruit trees just... they They produce fruit. If there's no water, if there's no source... There's no fruit, right? And as has wonderfully come out, even through the, the song this morning about abiding, this is how we produce fruit. In, in John 15, we read that it says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So without him we can do absolutely nothing. And for me this is the amazing kicker. That's the second time uh, that he says this in John. If you abide in me and your words, my, my words abide in you. Okay, what happens? He says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Asterix there. We can come back to it at some point. <laughs> By this, and, so, and this is the most amazing part for me, okay? For you to bear fruit, okay? It's not like optional extra. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Being fruitful proves that you are His disciples. Bearing fruit brings glory to Him and proves that you are His disciples. It's not something optional extra. And, you know, if you just think I'm going to shrivel up in life and just survive through, that doesn't bring glory to the Father. um, But that you would bear fruit in every aspect of your life. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Isn't that amazing? These That, that we would receive that, our joy would be made full. You know, we've always focused, and we will always focus, it's the foundation, that the, the message that this is a gift, um, and that we work from rest. We sang about it this morning. It's every part of the foundation of our DNA. It's a gift, and um, we, work from a, we, we, we live in a place of rest. But I want to say that there's, there's another side to that coin, okay? And that is our response. Now, whether you respond or not doesn't change the value of that coin, right? Your value doesn't change. um, It's not increased by you doing things, by you being intentional. The value of that coin is the value of that coin, whether it's used or not. And so that's that's the foundation, is that your value doesn't change. Your acceptance, you being at the table with him doesn't change. But whether you use it or not, is what comes into question, you know. Your um, So to actually exercise and be intentional on the other side of the cross, It's why do we do that? It's just part of who you are. It's not an add-on to your salvation. No, no, it's your high rank. It's your value. It's just who you are. And that's why we get to do this. Um, <clears throat> and as I said, as I read there, when you exercise your value, when you spend your value, when you exercise that, you, you, uh, Jesus says your joy will be made complete. Isn't that amazing? Is that actually when you do these good works that the Father has prepared from the foundation of the earth that He's prepared for you to do, your joy is made complete. And we find His joy when we actually step out and we do what He's called us to do. You know, with the preaching of the grace message, there was a the, the message is you you can't do anything to earn his favor or his love or your salvation, nothing you could do. And some people confuse that with okay, well, and receive it, but that, but then do nothing. Okay, well, I don't have to do anything then because if I do or I don't, he just loves me, you know, um, which is true, but. I want to read what I, what I, to you what I wrote down. You know, and people would say, you know, no, but the, what you're saying then, then that's works. That's not grace. I don't need to do anything on the other side of the cross. For me, that's like saying to somebody, don't go and spend the money that you've been given that you didn't earn. Maybe you won the lottery. It's like, no, no, don't go spend that now because spending that would be works. That's something that was given to you for free. No, obviously, once you've been given something of such incredible value, the joy of it is actually to go and exercise the value. And that is the work that we are called to, is to actually walk in the, 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 the beautiful things that the Father has, um, has given us. friends our value is to be that value is to be enjoyed for us as we walk that out and it's to be shared and that's the joy of of our life in him as i said you've been designed for fruitful work i mean listen to to paul in philippians 1 he says for me to live is christ and to die is gain if i'm to live in the flesh that means fruitful labor for me so he's wrestling between do I go and be with the Father, or do I stay? If I go, it's going to be amazing. To stay means fruitful labor. It's something that He's just so part of His DNA. Where are we at in that process? You know, Are we in a place where we are wrestling, be with the Father, or taking such delight in the fruitful labor that He's called us to do? You know... As I've been reading through um, various books of the New Testament over the last while, there's there's been a couple of things that have just highlighted. I, I just spent some time just reading through like a whole book and then into another one. And then you see just like certain patterns that start to emerge. And three things jumped out at me, all built on this foundation that is Jesus. He always starts off with, this is who you are. This is your high rank. And then he moves on to, and there's three things... Excuse me, that that popped up. One was that we would grow in a knowledge. It's like this is the other side of the cross. He's speaking to believers. That we would grow in this knowledge that we need to hear, we need to learn, we need to be taught. So it's this this process of these living stones being built up, growing in knowledge. That's the first one. Uh, The second one was this thing of like, okay, now because of your high rank, um, you need to put off those things and put on these things. It's a very active process, speaking to believers. Put off this, put on that. Um, and then the third thing that's quite interesting is like that he says multiple times through the New Testament, like imitate me. Which, you know, in this sort of in in our, our church context, it's like well maybe that's not such a good thing. You know, just imitate me. You know, that's quite a bold, a bold thing to say. And I remember um, imitate in a. Not in this way, I'll explain now. I don't know if you, uh, obviously you all know Hillsong. Um, Who was the blonde uh, lady? Is it Darlene Czech? Yes, Darlene. Something like that. Anyway, uh, I remember friends having gone and visited um, churches in Asia, and all of these worship leaders had dyed their hair peroxided white, cut into the same bob shape, because this is what a worship, sheet, a worship leader looks like, right? That's not the kind of imitating I'm talking about. It's not about copying somebody's style. It's copying the, the, the gold, the beauty of what Jesus has done in the fruit of somebody's life. Seeing that and copying and imitating that. So I wanted to read a, um, a, few, a few scriptures around uh, this process. Because I just want to pack out what it looks like on the side of the cross um, first, to hear, to learn, to be, to be taught. Colossians 1. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you. And indeed, in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood it in the, in the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our brother, a beloved servant, And then growing in the knowledge. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Colossians 1. Christ in, I'll read from a portion in, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ. It's a a process of maturing and growing in the knowledge of Jesus on this side, even though you've been made perfect. And then Colossians 2, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him. You received Him as a gift, now carry on walking in Him like that, rooted and built up and established in the faith just as you were taught. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's, it's unpacking a process, a pattern of Him needing to teach and us needing to learn from each other, this process of what it looks like to live on the other side of the cross with our salvation. To reach the full Uh, Sorry, to reach the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's will, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then this putting on and putting off. It says, put to death, therefore, because of your high rank, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And he mentions sexual immorality and and a whole bunch of other things. In these two you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, and he mentions a bunch. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of your creator. Friends, it's almost like these things and I, I've never thought about it this way until I was preparing for this, this preach, but it's almost like all of these things are not necessarily completely intuitive after you get saved, right? We, we said that we, we've read that the, the Holy Spirit will be our counselor and our teacher and will lead us through all of these things, but it's almost like it's not fully intuitive what it means to live as a holy, righteous person on the other side of the cross, you know, in, he talks in, in parts like telling people not, you know, to abstain. I mean, to some of the churches, they, hey, you can't do that kind of stuff. Speaking to believers, it's not like you become a believer and then therefore straight away you like, you've got the Holy Spirit in you, yes, that t- tells you exactly what to do. And like, oh, no, no, that's off limits. That's not good. That, th- that's not a way to live as part of your high rank. Now that you've been made this, that's not a way. It's almost like it's not fully intuitive. Which is quite, imi- quite interesting, and that's why um, it feels like <clears throat> why pe- uh, we have to be taught in these things on the other side of the cross. Imitate me, uh, Paul says, and he goes through many script- uh, scriptures. I won't, I won't read them all now because of time. Um, but then he says, you know, imitate me. I urge you there, be imitators of me. Imitate me as I am of Christ. But in Ephesians, it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. In some ways, we need to imitate him. But because God is a relational God, he didn't just give us the rules and say, just imitate me. Somehow, he knew that we need to surround ourselves with each other and with teachers. And it's a very dynamic uh, relationship that we live with each other, that we actually need to be taught in these things. You know, so it's not about a thing of become a Christian one day and... Yeah, great. I'll never ever go to church again because now I'm saved. No, we were designed for community. We were designed, we were designed to live with each other and to, to learn from each other. That I see, ah, oh, that's the way Cus lives. Look at, it, look, look at the fruit of his life and get to walk in that process. It's this, it's this, this process of, of us learning from each other how to, how to live. Um, in Philippians 3, it says, Finally, brothers... Friends, it's something that we need to practice in. Um, In the prayer time earlier, uh, Ella had a word about us, you know, seeing everybody here getting onto a train. You know, and there there is a sense that just really struck with me. It's like we can be sitting at the station with our passport or whatever, where we're going to with our ticket, saying, look, I've got the ticket. It's wonderful. I've got this ticket. But there's something of a beauty of us getting on the train together Everybody intentionally getting on the train and saying, we're going to exercise this ticket. We're now going to step out and we're going to go. And that looks like our response of saying, um, what are we going to be doing with this incredible gift of salvation? Because it's time to get on that train. It's time to exercise that value. And I wanted to just uh, leave you with this picture. You know, when we get saved, it's almost like we fall back into this cloak of grace. It's like we fall complete like a dead drop into this cloak of grace. And this grace then picks us up. This cloak around us picks us up onto our feet as these live new living beings. But then it's like this cloak that's around us, that's a grace that then empowers us To actually go out and live. It empowers us to go out and live and do these good works that have been prepared for us to do. It's almost like a superhero that gets cloaked in their their superhero powers, but then doesn't do anything with it. Friends, it's who you are. It's not something that's going to earn you favor. It's not something that's going to make you a better Christian. Like, oh, he's a really good Christian, that person. and Oh, she's an amazing Christian. No, no. It's just who you are. It's part of you. You've been given this, this thing. And if you're hearing this this morning and you're like, oh, maybe I, I don't feel, I'm not fruitful, I'm not that. No, what do we do in those moments when that cape has just fallen off, when the, you feel like there's no grace upon you? We fall back into the arms of Jesus. We fall back into His grace. So if you're here this morning and you are feeling any level of condemnation, any level of heaviness, any level of like I'm not good enough, or I haven't done enough, and I'm oh, I blew it this week, and, and and you don't have to spend a split second longer with any level of guilt or shame or any of that on you. Because you didn't get good in the first place. Jesus gave it to you as a gift. So what do you do? You dead drop back into that cloak of grace and He picks you up and puts you on your feet and He wraps Himself around you and He keeps going. Friends, we don't spend weeks in repentance. That's you building a wonky house on a bad foundation called self-effort. If you spend a second longer in self-doubt, condemnation, guilt, you are stuck building a house you think you're building to the plan but you're building it on a wonky foundation, right? So, friends, I want, to, I want us to, to think about, so I think my, my point of today is just to give you those two things, the foundation and the response, and then for us to think about the rhythms that you have in your life. Kirsty had a word uh, during the, the prayer time as well about, our, you know, it's almost like in our franticness, if, it's, if you look at the rhythm of a heartbeat, it's like almost in the franticness of our lives. We do 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 do, do. The, 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 You know, it's like an irregular heartbeat. Do, 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 do. It's not this, this thing that is beating in tune to the heartbeat of God, which is a rhythm. What are the rhythms that you are putting in your life? No works, no heaviness. Good disciplines and rhythms that you're beating to the Father's heart that we in step with the Father, that we are responding to His heartbeat, that we're hearing Him, and that we're putting good good rhythms um, <clears throat> in prayer. Are you making time to pray intentionally, not as a heavy cloak, that cloak that lifts you up in response to Him? That's who you are. Are you making time to study His Word and feasting on the richness of, that, of His Word? Are you making time to gather around people like you are this morning. You've made intentional time in this freezing weather to come out. That's a good rhythm. Do not neglect the gathering of believers, it says. There's an intentionality. There's a a giving yourself to things. And only when we do that, somehow the fruitfulness comes. Because we're in Him. We're abiding in Him. And this is part of His plan, that we get together you know, heart to heart and we learn from each other. Are you putting those rhythms in? Or is it like an optional extra if we come to church or not? Is it an optional extra if I make time to pray? Or, you know, um, if you're hearing any heavy on that, go back to the foundation. Spend time studying what the Scripture says about what He's done for you. Friends, the ones part that I see in Scripture, I'm sure there are many others, but how we cannot be fruitful. If you look at the parable of the sower um, in uh, Matthew 13, this is one way not to be fruitful. The seed that was sown among the thorns is the one that hears the word, but the worries and distractions of the world, the stress, worries, distractions, stress, um, deceitfulness, It's amplified as well in brackets. It says the superficial pleasures and delight of riches. Choke the word, right? The Lord is not against riches, but the superficial pleasures and delights that we can sometimes chase after that we can give our whole life so intentionally to, you know, to chase down our careers and all of that. And those are areas of fruitfulness that He wants to bless. But if you do it on the wrong foundation... Right, The wonkiness of self-effort, it produces, it becomes superficial, it becomes sensual. It doesn't become a blessing. It's essential sensual flighting and it's, it's a wonky house. But when we do it and we, we engage with our careers and we engage with people and even your exercise that you're so devoted to, um, that you give so much time and intention and you measure and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But even Paul says, you know, um, what does it say about go- with, uh, bodily exercise have some value, but, you know, um, remind me, Jacques, but godliness is great gain. So yeah. You know, that's good. These exercising, training like an athlete, it's good. But no, no, we should be approaching our spiritual life with the same way. And I think we've been afraid to go down that road, certainly in our, my context, for some time because it's like no no that's just putting a heavy on people that's a work it's just you know it's that's not necessarily good news but i hope today that you've seen that it's just who you are doesn't your coin whether it gets spent or not is still the same value but the joy comes that our joy may be complete when we get to see these incredible feats of god as we are fruitful and we um and we multiply his kingdom So I'm going to leave it there. I wanted to just spend a bit of time just to, yeah, just some sort of a response in your heart this morning, you know, just like a bit of a decision, not a New Year's resolution. Um, that's, that's weak and, and meaningless. But just whatever the Father said to you this morning, things that He might have said, hey, this is going to be good for you. You know, there's a whole bunch of things in your life that you don't actually know is good for you. That's why you need to look around and you need to say, oh, like I said, oh, Cuss is doing that. You know, Gladys is doing that. But look what Bonkani does. Look at the fruit that is in his life. Um, I missed this one scripture. I just wanted to go back to it. Hebrews 13. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Consider the way where it's maybe not completely intuitive to you. Look around at people around you and say, consider the way of their life. And maybe they've got something. Maybe they know something. Maybe, like, look at the fruit of that person's life and consider, spend time with them, surround yourself with them. What do you do? do Like, what does your life look like? What What does your marriage look like? What does your work life look like? Um... What is your, your exercise? What does you, your time with the Lord look like? What do you do? They learn from each other. Because maybe where you're at at the moment, it's not completely intuitive. So we look out and we imitate. Oh, I want to imitate uh, Katya, the way she lives. Look at, look at the fruit of the way she lives. Be intentional about that. And so just make some decisions in your heart today. And um, not a big to-do list but a level of intentionality that you're going to start to say, actually, Lord, yes, I see. There's a whole lot more for me. Friends, you were designed to be fruitful, not to just hang on. In order to be fruitful, you need to start spending. You need to start stepping out. Only when you step out and you risk, somehow that's the way the Lord's equation, that He comes and you step out the boat onto the water and He comes. There's a stepping out that we need to do, so can we stand?